0: go today on Gaming of the Noob Jake waxes poetic about vampires
1: Alex corrects Jake on a Polish name and Ryan somehow made this about Metroidvanias again hey folks thanks for listening to Gaming of the Noob check out our live podcast stream on Monday nights at 6.30pm Pacific at twitch.tv gamingofthenoob of what could go wrong and while you're at it Go to gamingoutfitters.com and put in the coupon code G O T N at checkout for 20% off your order. What a deal! Peace, guys. Yeah, baby. Hey, welcome to Gaming the Noob. I'm Jake. This is Alex. And this is Ryan. This is a video game enthusiast podcast focuses on the art development, sound visuals, promotion mechanics, retro tech, and indie video game culture from the perspective of some major noobs.
0: Starting the show, we have Gaming of the News, highlighting the biggest news in video games. For details on these topics and many more, check out our Facebook and Twitter pages. So, this past weekend, we had Guardian Con, which took place in Tampa Bay, Florida. Or Tampa, Florida. Uh, this was a video game convention started actually by three streamers, King Italian, Professor Broman, and K-Magic 101. Uh, originally started as a fan convention for Destiny, it has since become a convention with the purpose of celebrating all games and raising money for St. Jude. Uh, the week actually leading up um, to the convention, um, the actual in-person convention, because uh, Friday-Saturday was actually days where you can come and do things in person. Um, was a massive charity stream marathon with over 50 streamers partnering together and overall the course of GuardianCon they raised over 2.74 million dollars for St. Jude which is enough to run the um charity for an entire day
2: that is super awesome like
1: amazing amazing,
2: amazing. that gamers could come together and raise all that cash and for such a great cause right i mean uh, i, can't, I, love I that. couldn't be
0: happier yeah. right It it was really cool because I got to watch. I watched bits and pieces of the marathon. They did it, you know, four-hour blocks, and they had everyone kind of paired off. Um, And not everybody that could take part, they had space for, which is crazy because it's how big it's gotten now. Um, And every kind of block kind of like built on the other one. And they had some of the biggest streamers in on Twitch right now, including Dr. Lupo and Ninja is a part of this and which is crazy it's because those guys are the biggest names on twitch right now but these guys have been involved in guardian Con since the very beginning before it was imp- big and important they were always coming to GuardianCon con and taking place and like uh, participating um so it's funny that now that they are like these big names they're everyone's like wow they must have like sold out to like get these guys are like, no, nah, they were always here. They just, we've always promoted them, and now they're big. They're just continuing to give back. Um, and actually, both of those guys each raised over three hundred thousand dollars each on their their respective four-hour blocks. Um, I think Dr. Lupo raised over three hundred fifty thousand dollars, and Ninja raised over three hundred thousand dollars, and that was actually um, a crazy. He finished it off, and at one point he got. One donation from an anonymous source because he was texting some of his friends, and someone gave him a hundred thousand dollars, which was the largest donation Holy um, shit. to the whole charity. That's incredible. So that was either Drake or Marshmallow, if I had to guess. But either way, it was although it was going to charity, it was a really cool thing. And they were they were put their last it was the last push to get to that two point seven four, which was their goal from the very beginning, so that they could. Um, Run the charity for a single day. And uh, Professor Broman, who I actually got to meet in person recently uh, when he came to a business trip in North Carolina, um, was actually saying um, how his goal in the long term as GuardianCon continues to grow is that he wants um, GuardianCon to contribute up to 10% of St. Jude's um, yearly running um, uh, budget. Um, in the long term. Wow. So that's like uh that's
1: that's, incredible. that's pretty something. aggressive right there. I like, the like it. Yeah,
0: so he wants it to keep growing and they so they they run this charity bit for like over the course of a year. So when August ticks over, that's when the next one starts and then it finalizes in GuardianCon. So you can actually go right now um if you want to contribute to this year's um promotion uh of GuardianCon, you can actually go to GuardianCon as just as well as as it sounds dot co and you can uh donate there and then uh all the money goes to st jude
2: that's awesome pretty cool next up in the shared history of movies and video games there has never really been a great video game movie don't ever say super mario brothers (sighs) there are many that tried some that became memes and other abominations but a good one It's like the hopes of there becoming, being a Half-Life 3, but sometimes dreams come true. A fan-made video just dropped on YouTube, and I believe it was this morning, for Uncharted, which is 14 minutes long, is actually really good, and it stars the one and only Nathan Fillion. I'm going to toss this on here for people, because this is awesome.
0: Ever since I played the original Uncharted, I've only ever thought Nathan Drake was nathan fillion i know he's vo- voiced by nolan north but his lines and everything about him is it's nathan fillion that's just his character um but he's even said in like uh, other interviews he's actually just feels like he's too old he's missed his prime to to even play this character but somehow they, they got him to and it look he looks great the video that we have currently playing in the background is the action sequence it looks like it came straight out of the game and he looks <laughs> great for the role um, oh, he's got the, va-
2: the facial features down and everything—the the the reactions, the and, smirk—and
1: yeah. I mean, you can't really so hear good. the dialogue, but I can only imagine. And Nathan Fillion is is the perfect person for that kind of dialogue. Wow, that jump—that was a heck of a jump. You know what? It's him. Uh, okay, <laughs> he's not too old. Yeah, shut seriously. up. He's the one who said it. I never said it.
2: <laughs> yeah, but seriously. Like, you're not too old. You know what it, is? it, it is? He's
1: throwing the fans a bone. He's basically like, yeah, I'll do this, but I'm not doing a movie because it's just too
0: much. I'm not doing a movie. it's basically what it is exactly. <laughs> it looks great. Um, I, I want to see how it works out because it was a fan made thing and it wasn't for money or anything like that. Um, it, it's really great. Um, I would like to see Marky Mark try to follow that up.
2: really that's what you got he's like mic drop
1: Marky Mark bitch (laughs) why are people still calling poor Mark Wahlberg Marky Mark (laughs)
2: he's been trying to scrape that label off for a long
1: time and it just won't leave nobody even listens to the funky bunch anymore Uh, honestly like and and you know what you know what it is you know he's actually a good actor I I enjoy him I Uh, do too his
2: his portrayal in uh the Departed was fucking phenomenal. Four Look, Brothers,
0: too, was a really good action. His best acting movie. was on SNL when he played himself, talking to animals.
1: <laughs> Say hello what? to your mother. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I, I mean, I love Mark Wahlberg, but I mean, I just love calling him Marky Mark, because it's a reference that most people, like, if they don't get it, it's just so funny.
2: Well, did you ever Did you ever see Rockstar? I really love that movie, Rockstar. Um, but... Uh, He plays a rocker in it, and they have uh, an outtake at the very end of it where they play over the loudspeaker,
1: not this imaginary band, but they play the fucking Marky Mark song, and it is great. So while I read this news, I would advise you to take Sparrow outside because I think she needs to go.
2: Okay. All right. That sounds good.
1: So Saudi Saudi Arabia has announced that it is banning a long list of popular games. Um this news comes from a news report that comes directly from the associated press so we know that it's relatively legitimate well it is legitimate it's it's ap they don't get things wrong and if they do they they always retract so the list of banned games includes i'm gonna stay calm gta 5 the witcher and assassin's creed 2 but no reasoning as to why these games were added to this list. So I'm going to go ahead and make some conjecture here. So GTA 5 features, uh, you know, among other things, graphic violence, but I don't think that that's going to be really the kicker there. I think it has to do with maybe some depictions of, uh, you know, uh, women as prostitutes and uh, Witcher, probably a similar thing. I I I would imagine that a lot of these have to do with um you know the way that they portray viol- violence in a particular way and it is due to two children killing themselves after playing uh the social game blue whale and blue whale has nothing to do with these other games that are being banned per se directly right but you know popular media we've talked about this we've beat a dead horse Popular media always gets blamed for whatever is going on in the world, and this is another example of that. Um, not really much else to say besides that, um, so I think we can probably move mm. on.
2: It's a, it's a very regressive area of the world, and yeah, as you, as you already pointed out, the, mostly probably the nudity and violence are
1: the reason.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised those three games that are listed there ever made it in to begin with, so...
1: (laughs) Right. So, moving on. Today's show topic is Legacy of Kane and the whole mess behind how it happened, what happened, etc. So, we're going to be talking about the perspective of the game from the very beginning, which starts with Crystal Dynamics. Uh, It's an American video game developer that was founded in 1992 by Sega veterans Judy Lang... Madeline Kanepa and Dave Morse, based in the San Francisco Bay Area, and it was eventually acquired in 1998 by IDOS Interactive.
2: And then Square Enix acquired IDOS, IDOS, I always pronounce it IDOS. Okay. I don't know, it might be IDOS. Uh, In 2009, it became a subsidiary of Square Enix. Crystal Dynamics was the first licensed developer for 3DO. Do you
1: remember the 3DO? Yeah, I had a 3DO for a minute. No way you did not have a 3DO. That's awesome. Yeah, pretty cool. Uh, Well, it seemed pretty cool at the time, but it for sure was an inferior (laughs) video game system.
2: So I just got my uh, laser... Fixed. Uh, this is a complete tangent, but I, th- I think it's relevant to the 3DO. Uh, I got my laser replaced on my PS3, and over at Game Trader, they had a 3DO in the display case, and I was like, oh my god! I'd never physically seen one because, you know, I was like this big, and yeah, anyway. So, <laughs> back to the task at hand. Uh, the company's mascot uh, for Crystal, for the 3DO, uh, was the video game character Gex, the Gecko, until 2000. Was that Crystal Dynamics that was their Yeah, mascot? Crystal Dynamics. Okay. Yeah.
0: Is that after Geico became Pig? <laughs> that
2: was
1: well before I mean, That was well Gecko. before Geico. Gex is the proto Geico Gecko. I know, but it went until 20, 2000, which is about the, the right Geico, time. The
2: Gex the Gecko for, Ge- for Geico. Maybe, yeah. I wouldn't that be is a lot
1: of Gs right there. Gex the Gecko Gecko. Gex the Gecko. What the fuck? Okay.
0: However, you can't tell the story of King without talking about Silicon Knights, who got their start making real-time strategy action hybrid games for computers but ended their PC development with Blood Oven Legacy of Cain in 1996.
1: So since that time, uh, Silicon Knights has moved into creating uh, PC games for uh, console titles. Wow. <laughs> in 2000, Silicon Knights was signed by Nintendo to create games exclusively for its consoles, during which time it produced eternal darkness sanity's requiem which is one of my favorite games of all time
2: i think we actually talked about it before with the unique mechanics episode so if you want to hear more about uh eternal darkness uh check out that episode it was fantastic um, together with Nintendo, Silicon Knights worked with Konami, which is interesting, to create Metal Gear Solid The Twin Snakes, but ultimately ended that exclusivity deal. Shortly after, it partnered with publisher Microsoft Game Studios for Two Human on the Xbox 360, which came out in 2008. Now, Do you back remember to the first game? one. Did no, I did you guys play human? The Twin Snakes?
1: Uh, yeah, very briefly. I didn't super get into it. Okay. So
0: I I have it on the the Metal Gear Solid collection, but I've never played it because it was one of the older ones and I was like I'm not going to go play the the controls. Oh
2: my god. Okay. So you have you played Metal Gear Solid?
0: Yes. That's I the Metal game. Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> and I played I played Metal uh Metal Gear. Okay. So Metal Gear I, thought, Solid I thought Twin Snakes was in the the Twin Snakes. The,
2: the Twin Snakes is a remake of Metal Gear Solid they did for the GameCube that added uh, first-person view uh, and some other mechanics that uh, Metal Gear Solid 2 had, and it basically broke Metal Gear Solid because, like, how how easy is the fight against Revolver Ocelot if you can just aim at him yeah, <laughs> as he's running around rather than having to chase him down?
1: Oh, by the way, uh, that episode where we talked about Eternal Darkness, San- Sanity's Requiem was episode 34, Unique Mechanics. Sorry. Back to...
2: It's all good, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so maybe one of these nights we could possibly throw that on there. I have still have my GameCube uh, uh, game for that.
1: I need to get my copy of Eternal Darkness back from Joel. but Yes. But for sure, yeah, we should.
2: Oh, I would I'd love, love to, to revisit that again.
1: The unfortunate thing is it kind of had a self-contained storyline. Yeah. But I feel like you could do it again. Anyway, moving on.
0: Uh, I just want to quickly jump in here because we we mentioned Two Human, which is the most iconic Silicon Knights game I can think of, because I think that's when they like dissolved right after that, right?
1: Uh, I mean, for, for your Shortly generation, after. probably.
0: Yeah. Oh, so I I love what Two Human was trying to do. It was there was a little clunkiness to the game, but it was a really cool action RPG um, on the 360 era. And I wish they would bring something similar to that back to like the current generation games. Um, it was a really cool art style and like uh, sci It was like um, uh, Valkyries meets like you know so Norse gods and stuff like that meets like sci-fi and stuff like that. It was this really cool meshing of like a bunch of different things. I liked that game. Was, like from an aesthetic point. David played it a lot, and it was really really cool.
1: So Ryan, I'm gonna stop you in your tracks. Okay. I sense your frustration. Okay. And I echo it but i don't think this is What's a negative wrong? thing in the sense that alex is just a younger i mean we've we, we've beat a, a horse into the ground alex hasn't played the games that we have you know and he just by virtue of him being younger than us to him spoiler i haven't played legacy you didn't of have either, access so. to you know like such great games like these when we couldn't rely on graphics they had to rely on like engaging mechanics and storyline and great music so like too human. Rocks I sticks. did end up playing too human and I told you earlier like mm-hmm. I thought it was cool but this is a perfect illustration of like maybe some of our audience are in the same boat as Alex in the sense that they haven't gotten access to these great games that we've played in the past just because they're old I, I do have to laugh
2: about the fact that he the reason I was like is because he's talking about how this was their what, what, what was the verbiage he used most iconic most iconic and they spawned a five-game saga with soul, with Legacy of Cain We're going to get into it. Okay. We're going to get
1: into it. So, Alex, yes. please continue.
0: To, to finish, <laughs> I so if you were to ask me wh- what Silicon Knights made before they dissolved, oh, I would say, okay. too human. But when you guys asked me, hey, we're going to do this podcast this week. We're going to do it on Legacy of Cain. I was like, what is that? <laughs> so... I mean, that's the, perp- I mean, I mean, we're, I mean, we're going to keep going through the rest of this podcast and that's what we're going to like, we're going to inform everybody else and myself, uh, more about legacy of game. It's your topping talking point,
1: Alex. Oh,
0: it is my talking point. <laughs> Fun about that. <laughs> that bad. was the transition point that I messed up. My bad. Um, after a legal battle, Crystal Dynamics retained the rights, uh, to the game's intellectual properties. Um, and it continued its story with, four sequels to date the five games comprised of the series um all initially developed for video game consoles and later ported to microsoft windows
1: so focusing on the character of kane he's a vampire anti-hero and each title features action exploration and puzzle solving these are key components of these games some role-playing elements but really that wasn't the key uh, driving factor behind these games. The series takes place in the fictional land of Nosgoth, a gothic fantasy kind of setting, and uh, revolves around Cain's quest to defy his fate and restore balance to the world.
2: Legacy of Cain's Soul Reaver introduced another anti-hero protagonist, Raziel, which is a fucking fantastic names great already. name already. Name. The adventures of both characters culminate in Legacy of Cain Defiance, where you play as both of them, themes of destiny, free will, morality, redemption, and the hero's journey recur in the storyline, which was inspired by ancient literature, horror fiction, Shakespeare's plays, and Gnosticism.
1: Ryan made a fun point while we were uh, kind of figuring this out. You know, Gnosticism, if you look at the definition and then you look at the word agnostic, uh... We were thinking maybe people have just been mispronouncing agnostic and it's actually Anostic. agnostic, which blew my mind. Anyway, the Legacy of Kane games have enjoyed critical success, particularly receiving praise for high quality voice acting, narrative, and visuals, and as a whole had over three point five million copies as of two thousand seven. In 2015, a sequel has been confirmed as 50-50, so We'll see. It's been three years since that. We'll see what exactly happens there.
2: I thought Defiance. They said this is it. We're over. We're done with this series. I mean, now.
1: yeah, people always do. And, say and it that.
2: did. The game did wrap it up. So
1: I, I was just thinking, it's due for like a legacy collection or like you know, like a reboot or something like that.
2: What would be really nice is if they took that world and did a different story in it, much of the way that uh, The Witcher. Uh, why am I blanking on the studio?
0: CD Projekt Red,
2: CD Projekt Red uh, has alluded to just recently, saying, "Hey, the wit- you know we're done with Geralt's story, but we're not done with that world." And that gets gets me really excited. That would be what I would see for this because the lore is so rich. Uh, yeah. the The Legacy of Kane games fall into the action adventure genre, utilizing a balance of action, puzzle solving, and exploration. Starting from Soul Reaver. Uh, Interesting, it actually started in Blood Omen, but Soul Reaver is when it went into the third, the, uh, the 3D realm. Uh, the series also features platforming elements from a 3D third-person perspective.
0: Blood Omen and Soul Reaver employ an open-world system and it's thought of Legend of Zelda and Super Mario 64. The latter three games are divided into chapters and are more linear in progression.
1: So, as the player solves these, you know, kind of pivotal puzzles, or defeats bosses, they end up getting new weapons and abilities like telekinesis, shape-shifting, mind control, and other magical spells that allow them to access more of the locked corners of these realms that you're kind of exploring, giving them a really strong Metroidvania type of feel, but in a sort of a 3D type of way, so you could consider, although... Um, what's the 3D me- Metroid Prime? Is it just Metroid Prime? Metroid Prime or yeah.
2: the ones that so are first? People
1: thought that Metroid Prime was the first kind of like Metroidvania in the 3D space, but it actually these concepts were explored a lot earlier and probably not first in uh, Soul Reaver, Legacy right. of Kane, but very popularized in Soul Reaver and or Legacy of Kane. So one of the unique mechanics that set this game apart that they established in the main characters is that the health. Of the main character would constantly decline as they progress. So you're always
2: having to feed, uh, whether that's on Cain uh, must consume blood to, to sustain strength, and Raziel has to has to sip souls, which is so fucking awesome. So cool. Um, their life, and also a thing that stuck out to me about this mechanic was uh, during nighttime, Cain's during blood omen, obviously. During nighttime, Cain's light health would—I can't remember if it would cease going down or if it would go down more slowly. But during the daytime, it would rapidly go down. Not—not not so much that you're like, oh my gosh, always worrying about your health, but at least you know you could tell, uh, and you'd go through villages and and you could choose to just suck a little bit of the health of or or, or you could just freaking slam on the o button a bunch of times and just suck everybody's fucking blood from the, from the village it's insane ah and it's such so satisfying like the trail of blood flying towards you it's ah oh, it's great uh, where were we uh, souls. S- yes. So you have to constantly drink blood or uh, s- suck souls, uh, prompting combat, which focuses on hack and slash techniques and allows the player to kill and feed from enemies, forcing that player's hand and engaging with enemies to sustain themselves. A concept that has been more recently popularized in hit titles like Hollow Knight or, or the Dark Souls games.
0: Blood 2 and Defiance include an experience point system, and the Soul Reaver games and defiance, the player must shift between material and spectral planes uh, of existence to progress. Both realms have unique uh, physical laws, shapeshifting geometry, and unique enemies that exist in separate planes of existence.
2: So, Jake, do you remember the first time playing Soul Reaver? Yeah. Okay. So, my first experience with Soul Reaver, you start it up, and you're like, you start out in the spectral realm, right? Yep. And you first, the first time you materialize and he like waves his hands around him, right? And he materializes and your health bar changes, right? Mm-hmm. And then things be, stop becoming jagged and they just, f- they they flow into Line this. Line up. Yes, they start lining up. And so then you go off and you fight these fucking vampires and these are not human vampires. They're like animals, right? They're, yeah. And I died. I got killed by these guys. And... There was no loading screen. There was no you died. You just fall to pieces and shift back into the the spectral realm. Exactly where you were in the spectral realm. And you have to suck more souls from the spectral realm in order to materialize back into the real world. And it was just fucking mind bending that. There was it, it was just immediately, okay, get back into it. You're not stopping playing. You're just going to keep going.
1: It just completely turned the concept of a game over on its head. Because now you're introducing these type of elements where if there are a lot of tough enemies that are in one realm, you can at will shift into another realm mm-hmm. to get around or get away. However, later on in the games, they really fucked with you by having some enemies that could bridge realms. Mm-hmm. that was... A, that there was a reminds me mess.
0: of... Um, it reminds me of Zelda Twilight Princess. Um, when you would jump between the realms with... Uh, on uh, Later in the game, you can jump between yeah. the realms. Uh, or uh, a business, little bit, yeah. Twilight this realm created
1: uh, Twilight Princess by quite a bit. Well, well I he's, know. He's, but I'm saying... then relating I'm, to it with... Yeah, them. I'm just saying that that they probably took a little bit of inspiration from this. Probably.
0: There is... I mean, well, this is such a... I was trying to figure out what games that reminded me of. It's Twilight Princess and... Not not the first metroid was it two or three two echoes metro prime echoes
1: yeah 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 Yeah.
0: that you you do that where Mm -hmm. you can jump between two different planes
1: pretty cool a pretty great mechanic that has become sort of a mainstay type of thing you know it's not uncommon for you to see two realms you kind of jump between both of Mm -hmm. them um anyway inspire and be inspired inkwell specializes in live printing at events on hundreds of products Vibrantly beautiful and reasonably priced prints made using dye sublimation, screen printing, and laser engraving, among other cutting-edge technologies to fully customize one of hundreds of products with personalized art that you can create on-site or online. Get in touch with Inkwells via the web at print.live. That's P-R-I-N-T dot L-I-V-E. Inkwells, make something beautiful.
2: So through your progression through all of these games, you come across this legendary weapon that's called the Soul Reaver Sword. And it's a recurring ultimate weapon and soul-devouring blade inhabited by a ravenous, enti- by a ravenous entity. appears It appears, like I said, in all five titles. Dialogue in the series is florid and Elizabethan in style, so they're very prim and proper when they're speaking, um, mostly with British accents too, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, inspired by period pieces such as Beckett, The Lion in Winter, and A Man for All Seasons. And each game was scripted in the manner of a stage play with monologues, asides, and cutscenes interspersing gameplay. So not only is it really, really fun to the combat, like, set that aside. Then you have the puzzles. Those are great, right? Especially with with the Soul Reaver games where Spectral Realms, you're having to shift back and forth to to warp the world around you in order to, to reach new places, but then they're also having these great voice
1: acted cutscenes. I mean, they're fantastically award winning voice voice yeah. acted cutscenes. the The dialogue was was phenomenal, among the best I've ever seen in a game.
0: Uh, during Blood Omen's production, Silicon Knights hired classically trained actors to deliver the voice talent um, with uh, a pres. Uh, President, which, yeah, sorry. President, which Crystal Dynamics continued in, in the successive games. Um, Simon Teppelman from Dead Space 3 and Dragon Age Origins, and Michael Bell from the Transformers, G.I. Joe, Real Action Hero, Real American Hero, um, Houndcats, Lograts, yeah. the Smurfs, and the Snorks. Never heard of the Houndcats. It's,
1: um, it's old. It almost predates us.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. That really is old. Oh, All, uh, both of them. <laughs> uh both of them voiced the protagonists Kane and Rizel. Raziel. 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 Raziel, sorry. Uh, respectively. So So Simon to Kane and uh, Michael to Raziel. Yes sir.
1: And these these voices really became kind of like the voice of the series. Yeah. Really kind of I mean, their chemistry was incredible, and they ended up doing a lot of dialogue back and forth in the same studio while they were recording their lines, which is why you get so much uh, magnetism, so much charisma. A lot of
2: chemistry, too, in between them. Um, I love the fact that the guy that you're playing in the first game, Blood Omen, is you're fucking with him right you're just like this is the this is the hero right he's not exactly good but i love him he's badass right and then you go and pop in soul reaver and that guy's the bad guy he's the
1: one that fucking kills you the the game is just the narratives are are vast and good so anyway the health of the land of Nozgoth, which is this fictional realm that they inhabit is inextricably tied to nine edifices known as the pillars of Nozgoth. So we're kinda delving into spoilers here, but you know, it's been a long time. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you haven't said it by uh, now a little bit. The pillars are preserved by an oligarchy of sorcerers known as the Circle of Nine. Uh, now these are, you know, kind of like old mythology tropes that are kind of coming up again and again, nine being a fairly significant number in a lot of different mythologies. And I'm- I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm going to
2: toss on a video of just the trailer of the original Blood Omen, and then I'll probably jump
1: into the Soul Reaper one if you wouldn't mind. Sure, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. So uh, each of these sorcerers in the Circle of Nine serves as a guardian of their own individual pillar. And then when a guardian dies, a new one is born to take their place. So it's kind of like a leapfrog type of thing. Uh, A trope that's later used in popular fiction, such as Avatar The Last Airbender, a very popular cartoon series. The movie was absolute garbage and doesn't exist. I don't know why I mentioned it. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Why did you mention it? And A concept that's established in real-life cultural traditions, such as with the Dalai Lama and the Panchen Lama in their succession ritual, which is the Dalai Lama suggests or uh, chooses, points out the Panchen Lama, and the Panchen Lama picks the next Dalai Lama, which uh, we were mentioning earlier is kind of an unfortunate thing because the Chinese government, in their uh, infinite wisdom, has decided to kidnap the Panchen Lama and, you know, very likely kill them, thereby ending the succession line of the Dalai Lama and the Panchen Lama, making this current Dalai Lama the last one ever, which is pretty sad. Sorry to get somber. (laughs) Alex, go ahead.
0: I don't know how to follow that up. Uh, In the prologue to Blood Omen, Ariel, the guardian of balance, is killed. (laughs) Okay, well, that's how you follow it (laughs) up. And the resulting chain of events leads to a spiritual corruption of the the pillars and the guardians. More and more death, apparently. Yes, absolutely. Uh, 30
2: years later, Cain, a young nobleman, is murdered by brigands. And what what I'm showing right now is actually a little bit of Blood Omen right as he's become this vampire. Uh, and resurrected as a vampire by a necromancer, Mortanius, which we're actually seeing right now, uh, directed, by, uh, directed by Mortanius and the specter of Ariel, he tracks down and kills the Guardians in hope of re- attaining revenge and a cure to his vampirism. But slowly, he begins to embrace his new power.
1: <laughs> Each of the Legacy of games contains distinct themes and dilemmas, but their overarching philosophical topic involves fatalism and man's struggle for free will blood omen was intended to ask what is evil perhaps it's merely a perspective and to address morals of good and evil propaganda and fate in ways that have never been explained in a computer game before and this is honestly for my developing mind i kind of like this this blew blew me away I, i didn't really understand you know how evil could be a thing of perspective, really, because, you know, they, they draw you along, they bring you along for this journey, and then you kind of they kind of confuse you with the motivations of this character and you you don't know how to feel about it. And it's really interesting. And, and I enjoyed the storyline quite a bit.
0: Uh, other latent issues include trust, manipulation and betrayal, which carry over into Crystal Dynamics sequels. In Soul River and Soul River Two, Amy Hagee identifies the question of free will in a universe apparently ruled by fate, and at its core of the story.
2: And so, as we uh, stated before, Gnosticism, in which the material world is an illusion, a lie perpetuated by a false and malignant god whose aim is to keep the human soul in darkness and ignorance, and the hero's goal is knowledge, enlightenment, and the exposure of the truth, helped to formulate Raziel's arc themes of despair, hope, and illumination in the worlds of T.S. Eliot and James Joyce influenced the story.
1: The developers also attempted to kind of subvert the monomyth and other tropes within literature and gaming. Uh, Silicon Knights conceptualized Kane, a vampire anti-hero inspired by Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven, which fan-fucking-tastic movie, by the way, if yeah. you haven't seen Unforgiven. Go watch it. It's one of my... Fa- one of my I, This is my guilty pleasure here, I'm admitting. I love westerns. Here comes the scene. Oh my gosh, I'm
2: sorry. uh, Yes, Unforgiven, fucking great, but here is the scene that we're showing right now.
1: The audience Um, can't see the scene. I understand
2: that, but this scene, man. This scene. Anyway, go back. Unforgiven.
1: So, Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven, kind of like the atypical gray protagonist. Not really good and, you know, not really evil. You know, this is kind of same that same interplay of what does it mean is evil a perspective despite being advised in 1993 that such a character would not appeal to gamers i beg to differ because it is one of the characters Mm -hmm. that has cemented itself in my mind since i was a kid
2: yep and similarly hennig developed raziel as a self-righteous little twit and this is in quotation marks so she said this with villainy seeking redemption and transcendence through knowledge, in contrast to an idealistic hero. Drawing from Joseph Campbell's ideas, she felt it would be interesting to see how players interpret morality in this context, and argued that the only way the hero can ever succeed is by following his own path.
0: As long as he's following a path laid out by someone else, ultimately he is going to fail. Divine has betrayed Cain and Rezio um, as Suffolkian, or Oedipus-like figures, uh, being railroaded by fate. Hege, uh said, "Hennig, sorry, said that they are heroes because they refuse to submit, even when all the odds are stacked against them."
1: That was, I, I think, probably one of the most inspirational things about these characters is kind of seeing them, basically give the finger to everyone throughout the course of their development. Um, By 2007, the Legacy of Cain series had collectively sold over 3.5 million copies, but its commercial success had varied with each game, kind of ebbed and flowed. Blood Omen surpassed Crystal Dynamics' expectations with purported sales ranging from 320,082 units to 2 million copies, whereas Soul Reaver Reaver sold over 1.5 million copies and was included on Sony's Infamous greatest hits list, which was cool because you could get a game for 20 bucks.
2: (laughs) Infamous, but only because people didn't want the red or green cover. They were like, oh, this sucks, but I love $20 games. Yeah. Uh, Soul Reaver 2 and Blood Omen 2 also performed well, selling in excess of 500,000 copies each and becoming greatest as titles. Defiance sold between 500,000 and a million units. That's a big...
1: <laughs> big jump. Yeah. What is it?
2: Right? But failed to live up to IDOS's sales targets. I actually bought uh, Legacy of the Defiance. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, but they did... And I felt they were starting to do this with Blood Omen 2. They kind of moved towards this like chapter rather than the Metroidvania style, which I love Metroidvanias. I, it
0: just feels more immersive that way. You do? Yeah.
2: yeah. I don't know but if I've What said if said they that made
0: it procedurally generated? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Goddamn it, Ke-
0: Alex. You got
1: him. You fucking <laughs> got <just> him. He's just fucking. <laughs> uh. <laughs>
0: You're Legacy has been cited uh, as one of the most popular video game intellectual properties associated with vampires. Um, IGN's Douglas Perry uh, regards the series as strangely attractive, yet equally obscure, uh, one that had him torn between loving and hating it.
1: <laughs> uh, make a decision. <laughs> games, GameSpot's uh, Greg Kasavian was critical of Blood Omen 2, but praised the Soul Reaver games as great. For their innovation and surprising drama quote-unquote voice acting and technical feats Um, matt clemens of computer and video games said that the series had engaging narrative impressive cinematic sequences and fluid combat calling soul reaver a quote-unquote absolute classic
2: and the Houston Press describes Legacy of Kane's voice cast as the greatest unrecognized brilliance in video game acting. Wow, if that those aren't some accolades. And compared with dialogue and compared the dialogue of the series to plays by William Shakespeare.
0: That's I mean that's a big bold statement considering some of the voice actors that are in video games. Um, I'm gonna butcher this name, guys. I'm sorry. Mikal Reparaz. Uh, Mc- Mikhail Reparaz of GamesRadar said that, known for nuanced storytelling, unconventional protagonists, amazing boss fights, and rich Shakespearean <laughs> Baritones. Baritones? Yes. Okay. That's, how that's pronounced or spelled. Uh, the series uh, raised the bar for writing and acting in games. by Game Chuck Osborne uh, complimented the game's storytelling as deep and described their mythology as convoluted.
1: You know, this raises an interesting point is like all these accolades exist for this game, for this series of games, pardon me. And poor Alex, you know, like ha- had literally no idea what we were talking yeah. about. Um, it kind of makes me, um, it, you know, it really makes me... I thought really you said Citizen
0: Kane at first. What's that? I thought you said Citizen Kane at first. Yeah,
1: it, it really makes me want Rose to uh, want to see the series come back yeah. and, and sort of be kind of be reinvigorated i think that i think that the staff that worked on the on these games really did a great job and were very much ahead of their time in a lot of aspects of creating a game anyway
2: i think they could really use like a remaster or something like that because uh if you it's it's hard to go back to playing some of them like uh the first resident or the first, resume, the first uh blood omen not blood omen but uh soul reaver, soul reaver. Is very very clunky. Yeah. Um. And this is before the twin sticks, so your camera controls are, I believe, your LNR. LNR. And and that is so difficult to go back and play with. Um. I think Blood Omen's a little more accessible just because it's uh, the Legend of Zelda. But I think if they really, really hunkered down and 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 remastered them, I think it would do really well. Go ahead, Alex.
0: I I wanted to say real quick, I think this, I think these, you know, based on everything I've read and understand from like learning about these games, and I look forward to getting a chance to uh, go back and play them for the ones that are available on Steam. um, I do think this IP does have a chance to come back. And I think actually its best chance would be a form of a reboot. Um, Recently, there was a game that came out and I was playing actually on the stream called Vampire, um, which is a vampire-based game, and it has some similar mechanics in terms of being a vampire in it, but different, a little bit more, you know, soulsy in some ways. Um, but I think a game that's really, you know, um Metroidvania in some style, uh very uh, story driven, a lot of things like that would be really cool game. And I think a company that would be good to make it, that they can get a chance to get some breathing room to make another IP would be, ironically, Crystal Dynamics. Um, they showed that they could take an IP like Tomb Raider and blow it out of the water in terms of reinventing yep. a old IP and bringing it back into the modern era. That's Absolutely. a really
1: really good point, out.
0: So, I mean, it's not like they don't already own the right IP with the right studio. I think that would be a great place to like give this back to. And then, hey, you know, we would like in this in this time where people are excited for bloodborne and a couple other like we can we all kind of want like some gothic horror kind of game when there when there isn't really one out there right now um but you know a little bit of action like, i don't know with, wherever this fits in there there's a niche right there it's kind of there's a void right now that there's not anything filling it i think this could have a good shot if they would someone could go out there and just say hey there's a space for legacy cane to come out let's just reinvent it bring it back
1: out we should uh we should make like a poster uh that's like Kane and Raziel for the next presidency. <laughs> <laughs> or like a, you know, like uh Kane for president, something like that. There I don't you go. know. Make some stickers.
0: Just go picket uh crystal dynamics is yeah. do a
1: grassroots uh I like it effort. Anyway. In nineteen ninety eight this is kinda of a little bit of the sad sad part of the story. Uh, Silicon Knights, which originally developed uh, these games in series, filed suit against Crystal Dynamics for the rights to the Legacy of Cain IP, requesting an injunction to prevent Crystal Dynamics from marketing the sequel. The two studios settled their legal disputes privately after kind of a bitter legal battle, and Crystal Dynamics and Eidos retained the rights to Legacy of Cain, provided that Soul Reaver acknowledge... Silicon Knights as the series' original creator. So, kind of a an afterthought of a, an acknowledgement. It's an unfortunate deal, but, you know, this is the way these things kind of go. The Typically, the entity with more money or more power or influence ends up taking control. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, from our perspective, it's an unfortunate thing, but from our perspective, if they were to eventually... Reboot the series, that's what I'm after yeah. as, as a consumer of the games. So, you know, maybe it's for the better in that, particularly re- in that particular regard, meaning that the IP is in the hands of people who are able to mobilize it into something tangible.
2: All right, and so this brings us to Indie Jumpstart, the part of the show where we highlight new and upcoming indie game projects that we feel are worth your attention, brought to you in cooperation with our official partner, Jump. Find them online at playonjump.com.
1: So, Zenga is a peculiar puzzle game, telling the story of Eon, a lonely journeyman who's stuck between worlds and time. The game is intended to be a relaxing experience, thus there are... No points, stars, tutorials, move counters, in-game shops or any other distractors. Just pure immersive journey with Eon Told through the gorgeous art and music in this game. Made by Michael Hamster Pavlovsky <laughs> Paulowski at polowski Polowski. Sure.
0: That's how you say it in the Polish name. Mm.
1: Oh, oh. <laughs> there you go. You corrected me on a Polish thing.
0: I don't, don't ask me how to do the next Polish, the Polish one. Though. That one's really tough. <laughs>
1: <duff>. Besides <laughs> Polish sausages, and Konrad, uh, Konrad Januszewski. Wow. Who's Long the guy was who drew at it? At the end.
2: <laughs> I didn't see you jumping in there, Alex. Yeah. Thanks, Alex.
0: <laughs> I said I wasn't gonna be able to say the second one. <laughs> And in ski. He knows his problem. All right. You're up, Alex. Uh, Jump is an on demand video game subscription service that provides unlimited access to a large library of games with a special emphasis on unique, high quality games by independent developers. With 14 free days to start, subscribers can check out the high quality and game groundbreaking video games offerings without a commitment to buy. And they're also game breaking.
1: (laughs) So we got a little bit of a mystery for next week's episode, uh, which we will not get into. So you're going to have to just tune in. And I promise that it's not because we haven't thought of what the episode will be about yet. (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely just a surprise and a mystery that we will not tell you. (laughs) So that's our show for today. Thank you for listening. Um, if you like what you hear, then please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes. Our goal is to provide a platform for like-minded content creators, and those help so much. Uh, send feedback, praise, and suggestions to GamingOfTheNoob at gmail.com, and find us on SoundCloud, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter. Tweet me at JakeBias and the show at GamingOfTheNoob. Alex, Ryan, where can we find you online?
0: You can find me at DarkWing6723 on Twitter.
1: And you can find me at RyanJohn7R. Thank you so much see you next time one two three squid see See you later. later